Christian teenagers journey through life in today's world without much thought about their faith? How can parents teach teens to share the gospel with effectiveness in our secular culture? How can we train our teens to defend their faith in Christ with caring concern? Why should we help teens learn how to defend their faith by asking pointed questions rather than preaching or lecturing others? And how can we help teens put their knowledge into practice? Join us today as I interview Brian Osborne, a speaker for Answers in Genesis. We'll discuss teaching teens to defend the Christian faith. Brian taught Bible history in a public school for 13 years and for over 20 years has been teaching Christians to defend their faith. Welcome, Brian. Thanks for being our guest today on Family Shield. Thanks so much for having me. Great to be here. We're glad to have you. Well, as I read in Acts 17, it says, As was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue, and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and proving that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Messiah, he said. In today's world, Brian, people are not necessarily seeking the Messiah like the Jews were at the time of the early church. What are people and teens seeking today? That's a great question. What are they thinking today? Uh, I, I love the passage you pulled from, uh, looking at Acts 17. Uh, often I'll do a talk on this issue between Acts 2 and Acts 17. Uh, and, you know, if you look at Peter preaching the gospel in Acts 2, preaching to mainly a Jewish audience, they had a biblical foundation. You know, they believed in the Bible overall. They're looking forward to the Messiah. And, of course, Jesus was their stumbling block. But they had the right foundation to understand the gospel. If you look at Paul over in Acts 17, preaching to the Greeks there, um, he initially preaches the gospel to them, and they call it foolishness. Mm-hmm. Why? Because they had a totally different foundation. They did not have a biblical worldview, a biblical foundation at all. So the idea of Christ and him rising from the dead seemed like utter foolishness. And it's interesting, when he goes back and preaches the gospel again to the Areopagus, he starts from the beginning. He goes back and lays the foundation. He, re- he reveals the unknown God, the Creator God. He recounts how we're all descendants of Adam and Eve. That's why we're all sinners in need of a Savior. He lays that foundation, and then he gives the gospel uh, after laying that foundation because he recognized for this group of people, they did not have a biblical foundation, so he needed to start at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And I think for many in our culture today, whether it's teens or the millennials or even many adults, they've grown up in a culture kind of devoid of the knowledge of God without that biblical foundation. And so... The gospel by itself, in many cases, seems to be foolishness to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so a lot of times it helps by starting at the beginning, because they don't have that biblical worldview, that biblical foundation we've kind of been used to in the past centuries here in our culture. And that is so important that we know where they're at before we start talking, because a lot of times we can just talk right over their head. They oh, don't I... know how to add or uh, subtract yet, and we're already talking about division. I like that analogy. Yeah, and you're exactly right. We just got to know our audience. Uh, it's the same gospel. The gospel never changes. The gospel is the answer. But knowing who we're talking to to communicate effectively, that's really the key. Yes, yes. So Christians of all ages are called to serve. Serving others is often a sufficient expression of God's love. But there are times when teenage Christians need to be prepared to defend the truth with their words. What are some examples of such times? 
Uh, well, in our culture, one might say all the time. Uh, <laughs> okay. It, you know, it's it's amazing to look at. Uh, I mean, you were just chatting beforehand about how our culture is changing so quickly right before our eyes. And, you know, biblical truths that were taken for granted for for decades, for centuries now, are now being assaulted. You know, mm-hmm. everything is questionable. Everything is, yeah. Things as basic as marriage between one man and one mm-hmm. woman, or even things as basic as gender. That mm-hmm. can't be assumed anymore. You know, how do you understand what is male and female? How do you get, you know, who determines that? Who's the authority on these issues? And so those biblical principles of manhood, womanhood, marriage, sanctity of life, morality, things we take it for granted for so long, all those things are under assault, either directly or indirectly in our culture. Um, and it's interesting if you go to First uh, Peter three fifteen, where it says to give an answer for our faith, uh, it tells us. It actually says in that verse, sanctify Jesus in your heart as Lord. You know, su- submit to Him as Lord, and be ready to give an answer for your faith, to give a defense for your faith. And so, if we're Christian, if you're a Christian, God's word has called us to be ready to give an answer for our faith. And so, in a very real sense, if you are saved, you're an apologist. We're all called to give an answer to give a defense for our faith. Uh, and so the question is, are we a good one or a bad one? And, uh, and so not just teens, but, I mean, for all Christians, we need to be ready to give answers for our faith. Uh, for teens in particular, though, I mean, there's so many places where they're encountering this, you know, um, something against the biblical worldview, mm-hmm. whether it's in the school setting, in a public school setting, in their classroom, you know, with their friends, uh, the, the choices they have to make uh, outside of a school setting. Uh, if it's going off to college and engaging, you know, the secular worldview there, whether it's just watching TV and trying to filter everything through a biblical worldview, uh, we have to be ready to give an answer uh, in all those cases. And uh, I think it's just safe to say the biblical worldview is under attack in multiple ways in our culture today. It really is. And and very honestly, and this is pulled from memory, I believe there's only about 7% of the people that, that call themselves Christians in the United States that really hold a biblical world view. So even though many people are Christians or call themselves Christians, and I don't want to say they're not, they don't hold that biblical world view, which we want our teenagers to understand God has said things, they are true. Um, so w- w- when we talk a little bit more about, you know, some of those examples, one of the things that comes up frequently with teenagers, especially if they're in public schools, but even if they're in parochial schools, is the creation story. Sure. It's just not believed by many people. How do we teach our teenager if they're in a, if this, let's say a 16-year-old is in a conversation with a friend at school and maybe the Christian boy says something about God created the world, and the friend says, oh, come on, you can't believe that. How do we help them, in love, share the truth of God's Word with someone that they're in a conversation with? Yeah, and a really good question, Uh, and so important, like you said, in our day and age. uh, I would think one of the key things, uh, especially helping our Christian kids answer that sort of question, is to help them understand that ultimately this issue of origins, whether we're talking about age of the earth or rock layers and dinosaurs, whichever issue we're talking about related to origins, that ultimately, here's the key, it is a worldview issue. And here's what I mean, is that all the evidence that any scientist has, whether they're secular or biblical, it exists now, here, in the present. And they have rock layers in the present, fossils in the present, radioisotopes in the present. And you've got to interpret that stuff in the present. 
to make a guess about what happened in the unseen past to bring about what it is we see today, now, in the present. So you look at stuff today, you interpret it with a worldview to make a guess about the unseen past. And the key is simply this. If you start with the wrong assumptions about the past, you will get the wrong conclusions, most likely. Mm -hmm. And so the reason the secular scientists can have such a different conclusion about the past from someone standing on God's Word is they're starting with different assumptions about the past. If you start with God's Word, God's Word tells us that God spoke everything into existence roughly 6,000 years ago, uh, based on the genealogies of God's Word. If you reject that and say, no, we don't use God's Word, man's Word is the ultimate authority instead, man's guess is what we're going to base our thinking off of, and you interpret the evidence with that guess based on man's thinking, you'll get a totally different conclusion or guess about the unseen past. And so the first thing they recognize is evidence exists in the present and must be interpreted with a worldview. And that's why we get such drastically different conclusions about the same present-day evidence. And this is so important today because so many people just kind of, they get confused. They'll take, you know, up, they hear about observational science. And we, of course, that technology is a result of good operational science, and we get medicines from operational science, and that's all good and practical. It's based in the biblical worldview, by the way. And so science has done some good things there. But then when these same secular scientists make guess about the unseen past based on their worldviews, many equate those guesses to the same thing as operational science in the present, and they're two different things. One's in the present, one's a guess about the past. And so we've got to understand the difference between what some might call historical science and then versus operational science done in the present. And, and that's a really just good place to start and then encourage our kids when you stand on God's Word uh, we can answer questions about origins, and then we can defend our faith and proclaim the gospel. But it's based by standing on God's Word, recognizing we start from that foundation. Yeah, excellent, excellent. So in what ways can parents teach their teenagers to share the gospel with effectiveness in today's secular culture? Yeah, I mean, so many, so many things here with this. Um, I think first, like we mentioned before, recognizing who you're engaging, uh, especially for our teens, their friends, uh, the teenage years and millennials, recognizing they don't really have a biblical worldview. As you said, even if they've grown up in the church or claim to be Christian, it's very likely they do not have a biblical worldview, and multiple studies really flesh that out. And so recognizing that, you know, part of sharing the gospel, part of doing apologetics, really is just clarifying what mm -hmm. the Bible teaches to people. You know, it really is. It's say, hey, this is what, okay, so according to the Bible, here's how God created by the power of his word, uh, and then it was perfect creation, but then man sin, bringing death and suffering into the world, and that's why we need a Savior, and that leads us to Christ and the consummation. You know, and so understanding that biblical history, laying that foundation, explaining what God's word says starting from the beginning, and that's really just so needed with the people we're engaging today. And also recognizing that, in that same line of thinking, for so many people today, teens especially, millennials especially, but people in general too, there are many in our culture today who do not believe the gospel. Yes. Why? Because they do not believe the book from which the gospel comes. Right. They think the Bible has been disproved, right, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. by modern-day science, mm -hmm. by ape men, evolution, dinosaurs, distant starlight, isotope dating. Mm -hmm. And so... They reject the book and thus reject the gospel based in that book. So we answer their questions about those things, not to win a debate, mm -hmm. but we answer those questions to show God's word is true, just to confirm time and again, in order to get to the answer, Jesus Christ. 
Absolutely. Uh, and I often word it like that. We give answers to get to the answer, Jesus Christ. And what that does is, is we give those answers to those sorts of questions. We get rid of the unbelievers' excuses. They raise up these excuses because they don't want to submit to the gospel. Get rid of those and just bring them face-to-face with their sin and need for a Savior, share the gospel, and we just watch God work as only he can. Yeah, and God uses the gospel message of Christ, that we are sinners in need of forgiveness, and that uh, uh, because Jesus suffered and died for our sins, we have, as a free gift, eternal life. And and you you touched on it. Today's world, most people are biblically illiterate. Sometimes they haven't openly rejected God's Word, but they don't know it. So it makes it really hard for them to have a biblical worldview when they don't know God's Word. So uh, again, how can we encourage teens to have confidence that the Lord will use them regardless of the amount of Bible knowledge they have? So, So, you know, as an example, a lot of people say, I don't know enough Scripture, so I'll let somebody else defend the faith. Why is it our job to help our teenagers learn how to do that yeah i think uh, there are some helpful thing, helpful hints we can definitely give our teens and young believers in this first of all uh, would be a, a good understanding of god's power control and sovereignty to recognize that he's the one who changes hearts and minds he works to his word and his gospel to change people from the inside out and we can't do it he has to do it and so to recognize you know as we talk with people and we engage with them it's not up to us to change their minds, to change their hearts. It's up to us to be obedient to what God has told us to do, to give answers, to share the gospel, and then he'll work through that as he sees fit to change those hearts and minds and bring them to himself, to his glory. And so we can rest in that, recognizing the burden is not on us. Our burden is to be obedient and then to watch him work. And I know from practical experience in my life, um, there have been times where I've been sharing the gospel with someone or answering someone's questions who wasn't a believer. And, and there, you know, when I was just talking, I don't know if you've ever had this before, but you say something, you think, man, that, that sounded good. You know, <laughs> that, wow, I'm just doing really well. Praise God. You know, that the, these, these answers I'm giving sound, they seem really, all right. They seem really good. Sure, this is, I'm doing great. And there was no real fruit, at least at that moment. Mm-hmm. And then there have been other times in my life where I'm talking with someone and I'm all over the place. I'm babbling. In my mind, I'm not making a whole lot of sense. Maybe I'm nervous because of whatever's going on. I'm thinking, gosh, this seems, this is a train wreck, you know? Yeah. And then I've watched God take that mm-hmm. and just use it to change them, yeah. literally sometimes right in front of me, sure. you know? And it's just, I think God does that on purpose. Yes, to, uh, with a to little make chuckle, sure we stay you know? small and he <laughs> yeah. stays big. A little yeah. chuckle, say, hey, Brian, I appreciate your effort there, buddy. Just be obedient, and I've got this. Oh, and awesome. so that just that recognition that God is the one who's working yes. in their hearts and minds, we can trust him with that. And then the other thing is this, I found this to be very helpful as well, is that we as Christians, we're not called to know everything about everything. We are called to love Christ to know his word to the best of our ability. So as you're engaging people, you don't have to know about every religion, every facet of that religion, every answer to every question. It is helpful, and we encourage that, of course, a big part of our ministry, to be ready. But to recognize the biggest thing is to know God's word, to be just you know connected to him. And then you can answer a lot of questions nowadays by just knowing what you believe. If you know what God's Word says and someone says something, you know, uh, that is counter to God's Word, you can recognize that, and you can illuminate the differences between the two. 
So when you're talking to a Mormon and you're really kind of fleshing out the difference between their view of Christ and the real biblical view of Christ, if you know what you believe, you'll recognize, okay, what they believe is not the same. Mm-hmm. And that helps you to give those answers, even when you don't fully under- know everything ahead of time about what they're going to be talking about, what they believe, as you engage in that conversation. And I also encourage everybody with this, truly uh, apologetics and evangelism. Actually, I'd say like this, in evangelism today, apologetics tends to be a big part of that because of our culture. So as you're doing evangelism and apologetics, recognize in many cases it is a conversation, yes. not a one-off. Right. So a lot of times with your family members or close friends, it's going to be, you know, daily, weekly, having these conversations about different things, constantly going back to God's Word, giving them answers, reinforcing that, giving them the gospel. And that continual conversation happens, and God works through that. So don't expect it to be automatic, you know, have one conversation, and if nothing happens, then you messed up or God's done. Yeah. No, it could be an ongoing conversation. Absolutely. Well, let me uh, make a few announcements. Uh, We want to learn a little bit about Answers in Genesis, and then we'll come back and continue discussing this topic. Today, Family Shield is giving away first-class faith sharing. To request your free booklet, call the Family Shield Response Center, 1-877-250-8416, or email us at witness2family at gmail.com. Don't forget to give us your complete name and address. Why not consider putting Family Shield Ministries into your will or estate? We can send you complimentary booklets that explain numerous ways you can do this. Most people want to give the majority of their estate to their family, but many also put a favorite nonprofit ministry into their estate to receive a small percentage, 5 or 10%. For more information, contact your lawyer or let us connect you to an LCMS Foundation counselor that specializes in estate planning. We encourage you to share a message with us, a prayer request, or send a donation to support Family Shield Ministries. Our radio program airs on 53 stations throughout the United States. Send your notes or uh, donations to Family Shield Ministries, P.O. Box 230015, St. Louis, Missouri, 63123. You can also reach us on Facebook or at witness to family at gmail.com. Now I want to go back to our program with Brian Osborne of Answers in Genesis. Uh, if you want to learn more about Answers in Genesis, uh, check out their website at www.answersingenesis.org. Great resources. Uh, but Brian, tell our listeners a little bit more. My daughter, who was supposed to co-host the program with me today, just got back from the ark. And I wanted to help our listeners learn a little bit about Answers in Genesis, but especially a little bit more about the ark. My husband and I have been at the Creation Museum, and we loved it. It's been some years ago. But just tell us why Answers in Genesis exist and a little bit about the ark. Absolutely. Uh, love to do that. Um First off, as I go and I speak at a lot of churches and conferences, and one of the things I like to say often is that when you hear the name Answers in Genesis, what some people tend to think of is like, okay, you're about winning a debate about origins or evolution and creation and so forth, but that's really not our focus as a ministry. Uh, We do give answers in regards to those issues, but what we are as a ministry is really a biblical authority ministry. We're about equipping Christians to defend biblical authority where it's being attacked today, so we can stand on God's Word, defend our faith, and boldly proclaim the Gospel. And that's our passion. That is our heartbeat. And it just so happens that, really, Genesis is one of the most attacked books mm-hmm. of the Bible in mm-hmm. our day and age. So we give a lot of answers in regards to that particular book, in regards to the issue 
of origin. But that's our focus as a ministry, defending the Bible, giving answers, sharing the gospel. That's the purpose of the Creation Museum, speakers like myself, our books, our DVDs, and, of course, the Ark Encounter, the newest edition. Uh, we are those crazy people in Kentucky who built the Ark, and uh, it's just been awesome to watch <laughs> how God has just worked to bring it into it. fruition awesome. uh, and how he's just been so faithful in that, and he's accomplished his will in that, and it's been awesome. And then just to watch the people come. Uh, I mean, there have been so many people coming, thousands upon thousands, uh, buses galore, and they're coming, and what they're doing is they come to the museum and to the ark. Really what they're getting is they're getting answers to skeptical questions. How did Noah get the animals onto the ark? Where did the water come from for the flood? Where did it go? What's the evidence for a global flood? How do you explain, uh, the, uh, how do you explain dinosaurs and within a biblical perspective? Those sorts of questions. All sorts of answers to those sorts of questions to recognize that the Bible is true from beginning to end. You can trust all of God's Word. And we can stand on, the, on that foundation. As we stand on that foundation, boldly proclaim the gospel. And so, really, with the Ark Encounter, that's what you're getting. Same oh, thing at the museum, just wonderful. a different format with the Ark. Right. Uh, you go there, the Ark itself, just the structure is over 500 feet long, 85 feet wide, and 50 feet tall with three different levels on the inside. That's over a football field and a half in length. Mm. And so, literally, you walk up to it, and just the size, it just imposes itself on you. It's just so, so big. Um, kind of a funny story, we've had a couple of secular journalists come to do interviews, and they've actually walked up to the ark and said something like this, wow, I never knew it was so big. <laughs> Maybe Noah could have fit those animals onto the ark. Ah. You know, and that's part of the purpose. Can yeah, I help them realize sure. it's not a bathtub ark? No, it's a real ship. It's a vessel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then once you get to the inside, I would almost dare say the inside's more impressive than the outside, and the outside's impressive. But once you get on the inside, the architecture, the woodwork, with some incredible uh, crews come in to do the woodwork, and then the exhibits and the artwork, the the artist got us brought to the ministry to do the exhibits, uh, just unbelievable. Uh, we do all these exhibits in-house, and mm-hmm. uh, God's just brought some incredibly gifted people to do those things, to communicate the truths of Scripture in a very vibrant way that speaks to all age groups. So when you come, you know, you've got the content, of course, and usually adults are more engaged with getting those answers. And then for the kids, all the artistry, all the, all the animals, all the reconstructions of dinosaurs, all the beautiful pictures, just so engaging. So we're engaging people at multiple levels, equipping them to defend their faith. And if they don't believe, we're challenging their basic assumptions. We're challenging their worldview, and we're presenting the gospel. And, uh, and we just, we, it's just amazing what God has been doing through all of this. That's wonderful. And I wish more people that didn't believe would come and see this. We are planning on a trip to see the the Ark. We haven't been there yet. We did see the Creation Museum. Awesome. Again, let me give the website. If you want to learn more, this is a great place to get more information and resources. www.answersingenesis.org. And uh, again, my guest is Brian Osborne. He is one of the speakers for Answers in Genesis. So why should we help our teens develop skills of critical thinking? Huh. Well, if we don't teach them to think, somebody else will, or mm-hmm. someone else will teach them how not to think. Um, yeah, it's interesting. A lot of times we've been kind of duped in our culture today to thinking that there's such a thing as neutrality that you could approach any sort of subject from a neutral perspective. 
That's actually a false premise. Um, the Bible says this, you either walk in light or you walk in darkness. Uh, Jesus says, you either gather with me or you scatter. Uh, the Bible says there is no such thing as neutrality. Either God's word is true and the basis for all thinking, or man's word is the ultimate authority. One of those two have to be your starting point. And so you cannot be neutral. You will start with, with a certain perspective. You'll start with a certain foundation. And so for our kids, equipping them to start with God's Word as their foundation is so important. Mm-hmm. And if we don't, then what happens is, by default, then in their own minds, man's Word becomes the ultimate authority. So even if we tell them to trust in Jesus, uh, and they're thinking, they think, okay, I can trust in Jesus, but I can take man's Word and, re- and reinterpret different parts of the Bible, like origin or marriage, or morality, or sexuality, or so forth and so on. As long as I trust in Jesus, that's the main thing. And of course, that's nonsense. God's Word is true in all areas. It's right about all things that require us to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. And so to recognize, if we don't equip our kids to stand on God's Word to defend their faith, then they will be equipped with a different perspective that is not God's, not based on His Word. There is no such thing as neutrality. You bet, you bet. So why should we help teens learn how to defend their faith by asking pointed questions rather than preaching or lecturing? Yeah, no, I think that's good. Um, well, I mean, of course, anytime we're, we ask them questions, biblical these pointed questions, we are encouraging them to think, challenge them. And, of course, as we ask them these questions, we should also encourage them, okay, how do you answer this from a biblical perspective? If we stand on God's Word and take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ, then what, from a biblical perspective, will be an answer to this question? And so to get them to actually struggle through that and understand that and go to God's Word and seek that answer. And we want to do that so, A, they think through it. When they do that, they'll remember the answer better. And B, get them into the habit of going to the Bible mm-hmm. for the answer. Mm-hmm. We want to be sure our kids understand that, you know what? I, as a parent, I'm not the ultimate authority. Neither is your teacher. It is God and His Word as the ultimate authority. So we want to challenge them to go to His Word, build their thinking from there. And if they do that, it's then they can defend their faith and boldly proclaim the gospel. Absolutely. Again, my guest has been Brian Osborne. He's a speaker for Answers in Genesis. And we've been talking about teaching teens to defend the Christian faith. Uh, There is a lot to this. I should set up another program because we barely touched the surface. But uh, I I hope and pray that our listeners, uh, both parents and grandparents, aunts, uncles, church workers, will have gotten some information from this and be praying about how they can help train the teens that are in their world uh, that may not always just be parents. Uh, I'm a grandparent, and I see myself as a helper, not uh, the, the one that instructs my teenage grandchildren, but that I support my daughter in that process. Uh, again, uh, Answers in Genesis, uh, look at their website, www.answersingenesis.org. This is Kay Meyer with Family Shield. Learn more about Family Shield Ministries on our website at www.familyshieldministries.com. We are thankful that you're listening and hope you tune in again next time. You've been listening to Family Shield, a production of Family Shield Ministries. Its mission is to educate and equip people through the power of the gospel to know Christ, grow in His Word, and to strengthen individuals and their families. To learn how you can obtain resources or support the ministry, go to www.familyshieldministries.com 
or Wright Family Shield Ministries, P.O. Box 230015, St. Louis, Missouri 63123. And tune in again next week for Family Shield. Family Shield.